You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh man, we're going to have some fun today. Crunch Time right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Saints are across the pond. LSU's a favorite on the road. The Cajuns are a dog at home. We're going to have some fun. Matt Miguez here, you know, looking at a lot of different things that we're going to get to today. We're going to talk to Houston Astros. We're going to bring you a preview of the Minnesota Vikings with Luke Braun, the host of Locked on Vikings. We will talk about Russell Wilson and Eli Manning going at it. And we will also do Who Dat Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. 706-0111 if you want to get in on the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast. Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 for LUS Fiber. Now let's bring in the man of many talents. Um, automotives is not one of them. Uh, my producer and co-host. Definitely not. Mr. James Mesh. James, what's up, buddy? What's up, Matt? I mean, I can't I can't judge you too much. I'm not a I'm not a car guy either. You definitely done more than me though. Um well I had some crappy cars early on. So you kind of forced to. Yeah, I, I learned on the fly. Now, don't get me wrong. I was grateful for my cars. But I had some crappy cars to start off. Um, so, yeah, definitely definitely was able to learn on the fly. And, uh, you know you know what they say, the, the best way to learn something is by doing it. Yeah. Best way to learn how to change a tire, lay on the ground on the side of the interstate and change a tire. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. Um, so that's fun. But anyways, looking at a, a couple of things that we're going to touch on today, and like, like I said, we're going to talk about the Vikings. We're going to talk about LSU and Auburn. We're going to talk about South Alabama, LSU. The thing I want to kick off with, though, is the Saints injury report. Because that sucker is a novel. It's a novel. It tends to be. And the Vikings, nothing. They have clip notes. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Dalvin Cook, he's questionable with a separated shoulder. And then like a special teams guy got put on IR. They're going to juice that dude up and he's going to play on Sunday. Dalvin Cook is, I mean, that's the least of the Saints' worries. Or at least it should be. Um, But no, man, you look at it. Paulson Adebo, Marcus May, you've got Jameis Winston on there. Davenport. Davenport, JT Gray, Deontay Hardy, Traquan Smith, Taysom Hill, and Marcus May were all limited participants. And then you get to the five guys that did not participate. Ryan Ramshack, Jameis Winston, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, and Andrew Pete saw a uh, saw saw a tweet from Chris Roseveglue earlier 
and it said, if Jarvis and Michael don't play, this is the Saints to Chris Olave. And there was a gif, and it was um, Robert Downey Jr. tapping Tom Holland on the shoulder. It said, you're an Avenger now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Your turn, bud. <laughs> you're you're the guy. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know that Sunday is still a, a ways away at this point, but God. The the injury report being so long on a Wednesday, it's got to be a little bit concerning. Just a little. Yeah, I'm about to say. I mean, am I am I wrong? Um, no. Whenever you do see a bibliography of just players either not playing or being limited and are questionable right now, a lot of them will end up playing. But boy, it does concern you. But hey, especially when you see the other team who only have two players on their injury report. Have no fear. Saints are wearing the black helmets. And like I said earlier, I I'm not the biggest fan of those helmets. Oh, see, I, that's 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 where you're wrong. I don't think they're that cool. That's where you're wrong. It also doesn't help that they're going to be pairing them with like what the white jerseys. Well, you have to. It yeah, I know, but it to me it still doesn't look good. Yeah, you can't you can't wear them with the black. You know what they should do? They should do an alternate jersey where it's black pants, but you have a gold jersey and then black black number. <laughs> really? Why not? I don't know that that would look good. I don't know if a gold jersey would look good. They've done it before. I, I don't think so. I oh, could have. Either that or I had seen like an edit of somebody doing it. Now, the NFL shop sells one that's gold with a black number, but I don't think the Saints have ever worn one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at Aaron Brooks right now. In a gold jersey? Yeah. Interesting. I've never seen that before. But anyways. I don't know. Maybe it's a really good editing job. So... Another issue that the world of sports is running into is, of course, Hurricane Ian barreling down on on Florida right now. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were scheduled to host the Chiefs on Sunday night. As of now, that game's still going to be played in Tampa. However, they need a backup plan. And... What they're looking at right now, the league has announced that the contingency site will be U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. If Tampa can't host the Bucks Chiefs game, it will be played in Minneapolis. Uh, the Superdome did offer their services, but apparently the, the league and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have, have declined said services. So... Interested to see how that plays out. A couple college games have been shifted around, including South Carolina hosting South Carolina State tomorrow rather than Saturday. But James, you know, uh, there was a story yesterday that I wanted to get to that we just kind of ran out of time for. Yeah, they wore um, it. I see Aaron Brooks wearing it in 2002. And I, I, think it was a, I think it was a one-time thing, though. Interesting. Um, so yeah, there was a story that I wanted to get to yesterday uh, that we ran out of time for, so I'm going to get to it today. Uh, 
yesterday was the 24-year anniversary okay. of Mark McGuire hitting his 70th home run. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the interesting story about this. A guy by the name of Philip Ozerski. Ozerski. I don't know. I might not be saying his last name right. But anyways, so he was a, or he is a, research scientist at the Washington University Medical School in St. Louis. Now, he was a Rams season ticket holder that at this time hadn't missed a game in three years. Okay. He decided to give up his seat for that Sunday game to go to the Cardinals game. (laughs) Okay. Because McGuire was closing in on 70. So he goes to the Cardinals game. In the seventieth, in the seventh, seventieth, in the seventh inning, McGuire hits his seventieth. Ozerski is sitting in the left field luxury boxes, and he goes to the game with some of his coworkers. The ball bounces out of two of his coworkers' hands and into his hands. So he catches Mark McGuire's. 70th home run. Correct. Which broke the single season record for most home runs in a season. Uh huh. So after he has the ball, Cardinals officials, you know, they're trying to get the ball back, blah, blah, blah. So they say that they will give him a signed bat, ball, and jersey from Mark. From, from, yeah. For the ball. A bat, a ball, and a jersey, Mm -hmm. all signed. All signed. Nice. For the 70th home run ball. I don't think it's, I don't, uh, it's still not a good enough trade. It's the 70th home run. Ozerski says, can we add that I meet Mark? Ooh. He's, that's all he wanted. He wanted to meet Mark. Give me those three things. I meet Mark McGuire. You can have the ball. Have him sign my face. We'll be good. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so both the Cardinals and McGuire said no. Wow. They weren't going to do that. So, Ozerski, who is making $30,000 a year and renting a three-bedroom house with his girlfriend and another friend, three months later, he auctions the ball off for $3 million. For $3 million. So now... Ozerski donated some of the funds to charity, including the Cardinals Foundation, bought himself a vacation house in Florida, and proposed to his girlfriend. Nice. How old was he when he when he had went to the games? Does it say? Uh, doesn't say. No. Okay. So he was probably um, in his like early twenties, probably mid to late twenties. Okay. Probably my age. You know, twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. Um, probably, probably somewhere in there. Um, yeah, man. So well, that's the, a, the the luck that you have to have for it to bounce off of one friend's hand, bounce off the other, and, and then, then you get it right. And all because he broke away from his typical Sunday routine. Yeah, usually goes to Rams games. Yeah. Like, hadn't missed a Rams game in three years. Let's go see Mark. That's nuts, dude. All because he wanted to meet Mark McGuire. And they told him no. I would have done the exact same thing. It's like, look, here's my offer. They just tell you straight up no. All right, I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm going. I'm going sell it. I'm going home. Oh my! Three million dollars for a baseball. 
All because they wouldn't let him meet Mark McGuire. All because of a <laughs> two-letter response. What what an incredible story. That's amazing. So y- yesterday was the 24-year anniversary of all of that going down. <laughs> um, again, that was a story I wanted to get to yesterday, but we just kind of ran out of time. So looking at it, you know, uh, again, 4.30, Luke Braun from the Locked On Vikings podcast is going to join us. We're going to talk Minnesota Vikings as they travel to London tomorrow to play the Saints at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We'll also talk to Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles for Houdat Wednesday. Talk about the Saints injury report. Will Andy Dalton play this Sunday? And is it time to press the panic button if you're a Saints fan? Once again, 706-0111 if you want to get in on the game hotline. We'll take a timeout right here. And when we return, James is telling me, never mind. Yeah, I got I got to say something real quick. Oh, it's your read. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to I want you to start off week 4. It's to, it starts tomorrow. I want you to start it off the right way with a no sweat same game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account, you'll get free bets back for your Thursday night same game parlay if it doesn't hit. NFL same game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a better chance at a bigger payout. A quick parlay that I had just come up with with Matt before the show was Jamar Chase, 50-plus receiving yards, Joe Mixon to score an anytime touchdown, and then taking the Miami spread at plus 3.5. Play however you want, though. You can bet on the NFL's Thursday night game with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up using promo code KLWB if you already have an account. If you don't have an account, if you already have one, you're just all set and you're all ready to go. Just sign up and see what you got. Make every moment more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner, of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. A refund issued as is non withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 877 770 STOP. Take a time out. When we return, We will talk some MLB. We'll look at the standings. We'll look at the statistics and how close are the Astros to home field after their win last night. We'll look at all that next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, people in Louisiana are kind of weird. We, we like doing weird things. So, if you enjoy killing birds with stones, listen up. You can help a good cause and do some early holiday shopping. It's the Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club auction. It'll be held on Tuesday on KDCG Channel 50.2 over the air, Cox Channel 9, Charter Channel 11, LUS Channel 22. The auction begins at 6, and viewers can bid on a variety of items, including gift cards, vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, memorabilia, and much more. All proceeds go to Worthy Cause, and items can go for pennies on the dollar. So make sure you tune in to the Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club auction on Tuesday on KD. 
CG. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 21 after the hour. Looking at the major leagues closing in on the end of the regular season. Houston Astros, 102 and 53. They have a six and a half game lead in the American League. You know, let's give a quick shout out to the Washington Nationals and the Oakland A's. Shall we? Why, uh, they have the two worst records. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the bottom. Yeah, you know, the, the, the Nats. But we, we we knew that they weren't good. But you see, here's... And then coming up right on the rear is the Pirates. Here's what I find interesting about the Nationals. Okay. Let's not forget, they won the World Series two years ago. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> two years ago, they won the World Series. Now, I understand they don't have Juan Soto anymore. Or... Max Scherzer, for that matter. Yeah. But it's... It is it is very interesting how you're on top just so recently, and now you're all the way at the bottom. Right. Like, it, you're it, the it, worst it a very, team in baseball. It is a very crazy concept, but that just shows how fast things can flip. Oh, it's so... And I, I feel horrible for D-Strange Gordon. Just wasting his talent on just such a terrible team. But anyways, looking at some player statistics, how about Freddie Freeman leading the batting average race at 327? He's also got 20 homers and 95 RBIs to go with it. Um, I wonder if I wonder if Raymond Parsh the third misses that guy in Atlanta. Here's a statistic that I love that I don't think gets enough credit. Looking at Freddie Freeman as well, he leads the MLB in doubles. James, how many doubles do you think Freddie Freeman's hit this year? Never mind, I'll tell you. 46 of them. 46 doubles! That is insane. The leading Astro in that conversation is Alex Bregman and Yuli Gurriel. They both have 38. That That's the thing. You know, it's crazy to think about. We, we've talked all season about how Yuli Gurriel has struggled and how he just you know hasn't been... The same guy. Yet he's hit 38 doubles. He has 38 extra base hits. Not including the, the number of triples and, and home runs that he has. I mean, you look at it. Yeah, he's got 38 doubles. He doesn't have a triple. But he has 8 homers and 51 RBIs. So he's got 47 extra base hits on the year. Or 46. Um... But no, going back to the standings, you, you talked about the Nationals being last. Also, you know, the Oakland A's. Shout out to them. And then not too far off is the Pirates, which well, that's you know, no the, shocker. The, the, the Pirates are are they're bad. <laughs> yeah. They're they're not good. Um, also, the Detroit Tigers, not great. Sixty one and ninety two on, on the season. Um, you see, the one team that baffles me. And it's it's baffled me for a while now. Is Los Angeles Angels the Los Angeles Angels, or as Kevin Foote calls them, the little MVPs? How do you have two generational talents, and you still struggle? And you suck. You suck. 
Like, you had to fire your coach 30 games in this year. You're horrible. And yet, you've got two generational, once-in-a-lifetime players. And you can't even make the playoffs. Can't even make the playoffs. It's really it's really sad. It really is. One team I'll give a lot of credit to is the Toronto Blue Jays. 87 and 68. They've been hanging around that area for for a while now. But they've really turned it on, you know, in the back half. 44 and 33 at home, 43 and 35 on the road. They've scored 733 runs on the year, which is which is very impressive. Um, I'm interested to see, though. So the Astros currently have the number one seed in the American League, which would give them home field advantage through the playoffs. And then if you look down the award conversation. You know, you look at the awards races. It looks like Justin Verlander is going to get yet another Cy Young. The MVP race, however, belongs to one Mr. Aaron Judge. 60 home runs, 128 RBIs, an OPS of 1.120, and his splits are 315, 421, 699. I mean, gaudy numbers that Aaron Judge put up. And then you look at Shohei Otani, an 893 OPS, 34 homers, 90 RBIs. We talked about that generational talent. That's just his batting numbers. He put up pretty decent pitching numbers, too. And then you have Jordan hanging around in in third, um, but no question going to go to Aaron Judge. But then, you know, we, we talked about the Cy Young race. Looking at Justin Verlander. He's I'm, the only one that has under two earned runs a game. Oh, his ERA is filthy. It, it's, it's crazy. It's filthy. He's going for win number, is it 20 tonight? No, he's still going for 18. He's going for 18. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's closing at, in on 20. He's at 17 and Frommer's at 16. So this is what's crazy. You look at the AL Cy Young odds, and this is a, the odds that I'm about to give you are according to Caesar Sportsbook. Justin Verlander is minus 1,600 to win the Cy Young. You can't make money on that. Minus 1,600. You bet a dollar, you get 16 cents. Like, you can't make money on that. Um, so that's wild. Framber Valdez also in that conversation at plus 4,000. Crazy to sit here, James, and, and say, you know, a guy that is 39 years old, he is a year removed from Tommy John surgery. Yep. He's 17 and 3. Has the lowest ERA in baseball and is closing in on his third Cy Young. I mean, freak of nature. 
and the Astros have him on a steal of a deal. People looked at it. People looked at it when he signed that deal and said, "Oh my God, the Astros are overpaying." And he said, "Hold my beer." Ayo, check this out. Watch, watch this. Watch, watch. Watch what I can do. Check out my ERA real quick. Oh man, what a guy, Justin Verlander. Check how many wins I have. Mm. M. Absolutely impressive. Uh, I think the Astros make it to the World Series. And there's only there's only one pitcher so far this year that has 20. It's Kyle Wright. Yeah. So you were talking about is are the Braves missing Freddie Freeman? I, I probably would say so. Yeah. They're still in a they're still in a solid spot, but you still have. I mean, they're they're still they're still the Bravos, but you're missing <laughs> Freddie Freeman. I agree. I, I, just, I just feel like maybe not as much as you and, think they and, would. And the Dodgers are just scary. The Dodgers are just scary. God. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, all on the same team. Just absolutely freaky. Trail is putting on the Sugarman Triathlon and Duathlon this Sunday, October 2nd at Sugar Mill Pond in Youngsville. Spectators are invited to this all-road sprint, 5,500-meter swim, and 15-mile bike ride through the Sugar Mill Pond development. Volunteers will receive free food, drinks, and a T-shirt. For more information or to register, visit latrail.org. And Trail is a nonprofit dedicated in building and improving outdoor recreation and local parks. We'll take a time out when we return. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings joins us for a preview of the London game this Sunday at Tottenham Hotspur. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's talk some Minnesota Vikings now with Luke Braun, the host of Locked On Vikings. Luke, what's going on, bud? How are you? Hey, good to be on again. So, question number one, Saints and Vikings playing in London on Sunday. Have you ever been to London? I have not. I will be going to this game. It'll be my first time. So, outside of the game, is there anything you're excited about You know, doing in London? Uh, yeah, we, we've kind of made a whole family trip about it. So we're going to go be tourists, go around, do Stonehenge, the whole thing. Um, and then actually elsewhere in Europe, too, we're kind of making a whole big thing out of it. Yeah, good for you. That's awesome. So give me your thoughts on, on the Minnesota Vikings so far through through three games, sitting at 2-1. and one. As usual, the Minnesota Vikings are confusing, and it is impossible to tell if they're good or not. That's the one rule of the, of the Vikings. You know, like the one rule of the Chargers is that every game will come down to the last two minutes. The one rule of the Vikings is you never get to know if they're good or not. Um, they're very confusing. They wall up the Packers. They go lay an egg on the road in Philadelphia. Um, and then they, ha- they fight the Lions, by the, beat the Lions by the skin of their teeth. Hard to know exactly how good they are. Justin Jefferson had what was going to look like a breakout year, and then teams really sold out to stop him, and he totally screeched to a halt, and the offense is sort of still trying to find what else they have when teams take away Justin Jefferson. Defensively, 
it's kind of a mess. <laughs> There's a lot of really messy stuff going on on defense. Yet they're giving up. You know, they they haven't given up more than thirty yet. Um, so it's not like super catastrophic on the scoreboard, but it feels really catastrophic on tape. There's so many confusing things about these Vikings. It's every game feels like, all right, now we'll figure out if they're good or not. We never do. Looking at new coach Kevin O'Connell, how do you feel he's done thus far through three weeks? He's definitely a new head coach. Um, game management stuff has been hit or miss uh, in terms of, you know, fourth downs he maybe should or shouldn't have gone for, and he will express, like, oh, I should have done that, and he's still learning. They've had operational, like, delay of game. You know, we've got to take a timeout in the middle of the third quarter because we didn't have the right people on. Stuff like that, all to be expected with a, with a brand-new head coach, first-time head coach. Um, there's the – offensively and, and schematically, it's – been about what you expect. They're running a very similar-looking offense to what the Rams do with Sean McVay. Varying degrees of success. You're still learning how to adapt to situations and how to, you know, oh, they brought out, like the, the Eagles brought out a game plan that was way different than what the Vikings thought they'd get. Pretty much couldn't figure it out all night. and They got scorched. It's a lesson you learn. Um, but the, the vibe is still very laid back, and it's still, you know, they go get punked on Monday night, they come back in a short week, and everybody's very kumbaya, and they come out, and they beat Detroit. So that seemed to be working. Um, I don't know. Easier question to answer at the end of the year. After three games, it's going, he looks new. I don't know if he's good or bad yet. (laughs) Going to your quarterback now, Kirk Cousins, I I like to call him one of the most overpaid and, you know, (laughs) underperforming quarterbacks because his stats always end up like good but then you look at his tape and you're like you know he's he's kind of middle of the pack but anyways Kirk Cousins 758 yards five touchdowns three interceptions completing about 62 percent of his passes you know grade your quarterback through three games uh I would use the word inconsistent I thought he was fantastic in week one against the Packers I thought he was uh just dreadful against the Philadelphia Eagles and against the Lions, he was not great, not terrible, and then he actually clutched out that game with a really good drive at the end. So I don't know what you make of that. It's, there's a, some good, some bad, and there's a lot. With Cousins, uh, the phrase I use a lot is meat on the bone. There's a lot of, you know, he completes a lot of passes. He finds a completion really easily. He can find the yards. But there's always, man, that could have been a touchdown, and that could have swung the game, you know. Or that, why did he come off of that? What read? You know, there's some like weird misreads where that could have been a big play, and it turned into an incompletion or a checkdown that was covered. Um, and sometimes he'll try to force the issue, ends up throwing three interceptions in Philadelphia, just trying to do too much. So there's, it's you never really know what you're going to get, and that's why it ends up feeling so middling because a lot of good and a lot of bad averages out to middle, and that's why that always feels that way. But inconsistency is the word. He's not a backup quarterback. You know, it's not like you're watching a Cooper Rush game where everything's really stodgy and sort of working, but low ceiling. It's, he could come out and throw for 450 and four touchdowns on you, and he could also throw three interceptions and totally ruin the game. And that's kind of always been who he is. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings joining us to talk about the Vikings themselves. Looking at Dalvin Cook now, he's banged up yet again. Last time we mm-hmm. heard about him, he was questionable with that shoulder injury. What's his status so far if there's anything new? 
Um, yeah, so what we know is probably what it's going to be throughout the whole week. He's day-to-day is the word. Um, he didn't practice on Wednesday. I don't know if he's going to practice throughout the week, but the plan is basically they are going to test it on game day. They're going to put a harness on. They're going to see if they can't push on a little bit, see how it feels in warm-ups, and he'll be a game-time decision pretty much for sure. Uh, Dalvin Cook even got in front of the media and basically confirmed that, said, man, I don't know if I'm going to play. We're going to see how it feels on the day. We're just going to kind of take this one day at a time and see how it goes. So call it a 50-50 for your fantasy teams, and it's something you're going to have to probably wake up super early in the morning and find out because he's going to be a game-time decision. Looking at Justin Jefferson, you know, Louisiana product, 18 catches on Mm -hmm. the year, 246 yards. And, you know, it's crazy to to say that I'm about to word it this way, but it kind of feels like he's having a quiet start to the season. Well, so he exploded in the first game. So he got 180 yards against the Packers. He single-handedly beat the Packers. Um, Like, he was the only weapon Kirk Cousins needed, and the Packers couldn't do anything about it, which was a wild thing to watch the defense just totally break down. And then the Eagles totally sold out to stop him, and the Vikings couldn't find anything else. And Kirk Cousins forced a bunch of issues through interceptions. And then the Lions totally sold out to stop him. And then Kirk Cousins found Adam Thielen in clutch situations, found K.J. Osborne at the end of the game in one-on-ones that the Lions couldn't hang with. And so selling out to stop Jefferson sort of won the game for the Eagles, but it lost the game for the Lions. So the question kind of becomes, if you want, you can dedicate both your safeties and a cornerback underneath. This is how the Lions did it. They had Jeff Okuda playing underneath Justin Jefferson, and they had both safeties eyeing him either robbing something if he comes across the field or just playing over the top of him as a deep safety. That's three players dedicated to Justin Jefferson. Add that to four pass rushers. Let's say they aren't blitzing. That's seven players. you got four skill players left and four coverage players left to handle them. Everybody gets to be one-on-one. Can you hang there? That's going to be the question for the Saints. If you want to dedicate all those resources, you can stop Justin Jefferson, but you better hope everybody else on your whole team can hang with Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne and Dalvin Cook and Irv Smith. Talking about Adam Thielen, you know, you, you, you touched on his performance against Detroit this past Sunday. Other than that, kind of feels like he's being a little underutilized so far this season. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on which game you ask about. You know, against Green Bay, they didn't need him because Justin Jefferson was doing everything and they were blowing him out. Um, he just kind of kept going to the same concept over and over. Packers couldn't stop it. Why would you change? Um Against the Eagles, they, he was open. Thielen, especially, has been open a lot. Um, and Cousins found him in one game, didn't find him in the other, and that was kind of the difference between winning and losing. Um, I don't think that the usages of any of the skill players is particularly abnormal. It's really just a response to what defenses are doing. And if defenses want to take away Justin Jefferson, they can do that. We don't need to – he doesn't care about his stats. and He's been very vocal about, like, good team win, I'll do whatever, right? We don't need to force Justin Jefferson into stats. If they're going to sell out to take him away, we'll go to something else. But if you're not, then it might be a, another Justin Jefferson show. If you guys are going to play safeties over the top of Adam Thielen, you're welcome to do so. Good luck with Justin Jefferson. Defensively, you know, the Vikings only allowing 18.3 points per game. Solid start to the season, you know, Talk about talk about the Vikings defense led by you know a guy like Daniel Hunter. Yeah, it, 
I wouldn't say right now in Minnesota, the defense is in a really bad way. And I know you guys have had a lot of offensive issues to start the season. I'm going to go in right after this. I'm going to go record crossover Thursday with Ross Jackson, who does locked on saints. Um, and I'm going to tell him this absolutely can be a get right game for the saints because the Vikings are busting coverages everywhere. There are miscommunications everywhere. They play with two high safeties all the time, kind of no matter what, they'll always have two safeties very deep um, at the beginning of the play. So if you want to run, you're not going to have to contend with safeties in the run fit until they get down into the box. You're going to have that time, and teams have been able to exploit that. The Vikings arguably have the worst rush defense in the league. This is a time where you could get somebody like Alvin Kamara going or you know whoever else, if, even if it's not Kamara. Um, so... You can do that. You can get away with it. The reason the Vikings are doing that is because it makes it harder to throw deep. You're not going to get as many one-on-ones deep and stuff. Um, so the Vikings are just sort of okay with that. But you can get the run game going, and the Vikings bust so many coverages. This can be one of those times where, hey, if Jameis Winston makes a misread or decides he wants to force a ball in, guys might be out of position just by virtue of making mistakes. And this could be one of those games, Jameis Winston, if he plays. I don't know if he's going to. Um, if he plays, it can absolutely be a sort of stabilizing game. You can get him into a rhythm. I'm really low on the Vikings defense right now. They have a lot of problems that aren't necessarily showing up on the scoreboard because of game situation stuff. And, you know, two of their three games were basically out of hand by the second half. So that's going to change how scoring goes and people start playing clock control. But... Um, this can be a game, if the Saints are on their P's and Q's, this can be a game where they get right and do better than what they've done in the past uh, in, these, in these first three games. You know, maybe score double-digit points before the fourth quarter for once. <laughs> this could absolutely be the week where it happens. And we got one more for you, Luke. You talked about how you're not high on the Vikings' defense, but what matchup specifically do you like versus the Saints? Um, well, there's that backup left tackle. Right now, Zadarius Smith is questionable. He's got a knee thing. He got hurt in the end of the Lions game. Um, but you still had Daniel Hunter, so they could absolutely just line Daniel Hunter up on the edge and have him go up against your left tackle all day, do it the way Mike Zimmer used to do it. They've been moving him around the formation a lot more and um, using him in a, a little bit more variable way. Mike Zimmer would just kind of plant him right up against – he would go up against Ryan Ramchek every time we played. Um and just say, all right, you got Ryan Ramchek, and you got you go make his life hell all day, you know, and set him up and knock him down, and you can kind of be a little bit, you can play a long game when you play like that, when you're moving around the formation. You can't really do that, but then you get better matchups. It's a trade-off. So they could theoretically just go back up left tackle. You get Daniel Hunter all day, good luck. And the Saints will have to probably give him chip help and give him double teams, and kind of the protection will, will gravitate toward that way. And then that will lead to things like Andreas Pete one-on-one with Dalvin Tomlinson, and that's a matchup that might that the Vikings probably want. What I'm what I like is, is from a neutral perspective. I'm a little worried about it as a Vikings fan, but from a neutral perspective, those wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, especially against the Vikings corners, Patrick Peterson, not the guy he used to be, still a solid corner, but he's definitely not a run with you all day. He doesn't have the speed he used to, the agility he used to. And Cameron Dantzler, who's a very up-and-down, very volatile player, against those receivers will probably make really fun TV. There's a chance that, you know, if the Vikings' corners are on, I think they can hang with those guys. But if they're not, then 
those guys could run wild. Like I could genuinely see both things happening and it should be a really fun matchup to watch neutrally. Um, I don't think it favors the Vikings though. So I'm a little worried about it. Luke Braun of the locked on Vikings podcast, joining us before his trip to London. Luke, appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the trip. Enjoy the game. Be safe as always. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Take care. Talk again soon. There he goes, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Take a time out, wrap up hour number one after this right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the Tigers and Houston Astros. Wrapping up hour number one here on Crunch Time on the game. We got about four minutes left. And one thing that I want to get to, we had kind of foreshadowed earlier in the show, was Russell Wilson kind of clapping back at Eli Manning because earlier in the week, Eli was talking about Russ and was saying that, oh, the punter, they should have, the Broncos should have paid him $250 million guaranteed. But Earlier in the press conference today, Russ kind of clapped back at him and was like, you talking about Chad Powers? I'm 3-0 against Chad Powers. What do you think about that one, Matt? Hmm. That's uh, pretty pretty petty by Russ. That was. You usually don't hear that from him. Yeah. You, He's usually more of like the kind of behind-the-scenes, cringy dad joke guy. Or it was like, you never hear anything like too controversial out of him. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen the the Chad Powers thing, it was so funny. You got to check that out. That's so good. It's so good. the 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 face that he made when they were like, "Kid, you didn't make the team." He was like, "What? You mean I, I didn't make it?" Oh, <laughs> it was so good. So Eli Manning had some some face makeup put on some fake some facial prosthetics and then and, he also uh, got long blonde hair yeah, in, in, enrolled as a walk-on named chad powers and went to walk-on tryouts at penn state he had like a fu man chew on too i think and it was it was quite hilarious it's on uh it's on espn and you know youtube and where, wherever else it's uh again very very funny good stuff from eli but hey i mean better stuff from 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 Russ, I, but I what love, better stuff I, love I need? The petty. What better stuff I need out of him is on the field. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He's not off to a not off to a great start this year. Another thing we got to look at here in this NFL segment as we wrap up hour number one. How about Andy Dalton taking first team reps while James got the day off? And then you also had Taysom Hill getting reps at quarterback with the twos. Yeah. That one's interesting. Uh oh. And then you also had you also had in our our little rundown is Belichick having to convince himself that Mac's gonna be okay. Oh yes. Okay. Because I I don't know if you'd seen the video of Mac like screaming in pain while they were like carrying him to the right. to locker room. It, it it's very it's very gruesome. So today, Bill Belichick met with the media and talked about. Um, they they obviously you know they're asking about Max injury. Do you expect Jones to start on Sunday against the Packers? 
We're taking it day by day. Is the plan for Jones to have a procedure to help his recovery? Day by day. We're taking it day by day. He said the phrase day by day 12 times during that press conference. So in my head, he's reiterating to himself that Mac Jones is only going to be day by day when in actuality... It's going to be... He's probably going to have to have surgery. I was going to say it's it's going to be more week by week than day by day. He's probably going to have to have surgery. And then, of course, you know, uh, Bill Belichick, being the smart guy, said, what do you want me to do? What do I look like? A doctor? An orthopedic surgeon? Talk to the medical experts. And then before with the whole uh, Deflategate debacle, he was like, I'm not a scientist, but... God. I'm not a I'm not a doctor, but hour number one in the books, hour number two, right after the top of the hour sports update, right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. So, Kind of breaking news, but not really. Uh, Auburn quarterback T.J. Finley is expected to miss the game against LSU on Saturday as he is dealing with a grade 2 AC sprain in his right shoulder. Uh, It's an injury that he suffered against Penn State and has been... He missed last week's game against Missouri. Listed Finley as day-to-day. Uh, but it appears that he will not be able to go against the Tigers, so they will once again turn to Robbie Ashford. James, do you think that increases or decreases LSU's chances? You would assume it would increase the chances because, I mean, it's a freshman. Now, he, I don't think he had the worst game of his life. It was against Missouri, but he was... I don't know. I found it a little fascinating that he was he threw the obviously for the most yards for the team, but he was also the leading rusher. Yeah. Robbie Ashford's Robbie Ashford's got good feet. Uh he he runs the ball very well. Um so twelve of eighteen for hundred and twenty seven yards. He also had forty six rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground. You know, I I think that it it kind of benefits LSU, Robbie Ashford's a guy that they could rattle with with a good defensive performance. And then if, if he if he tries to run a lot. Now here's here's the thing though. Because he's able to run, I feel like there might be a play or two where you're shaking your head and you're confused. You're like, Robbie Ashford's doing this against you because you're gonna expect the defensive line, they've been able to do it recently, the last couple of weeks. They've been able to get to the quarterback. But I also know sometimes they struggle against an athletic quarterback. And you've seen crazy plays before. I think it was what? Was it like Matt Corral or like Bo Nix who got away from like three different sacks on the same play, rolled left, 
toward the sideline, threw it about 30 yards, and it was a touchdown. Yep. Like, like I, I feel like overall the Tigers are going to be able to handle Auburn, but you will see a couple of plays from Robbie Ashford where you're like, what the oh, hell? Of what the hell happened? Like, of course. Like you're gonna have some splash plays out of them, and you never expect it, and it might keep them in the game just because of that. Now, you know something that I'm interested to see is how does Tank Bigsby perform? Yeah, because he's he's struggled the last couple of games. He has. How does he perform against LSU's defensive line? You know. B.J. Ojolari sat out last week. More than likely, he's going to be ready to go. How does he? Perf- how does Tank Bigsby perform against an LSU defensive line with guys like B.J. Ojolari, with guys like Ali Gay? You know, look, looking at Makai Wingo, Jaquelin Roy. You know, a stacked defensive line. How does Tank Bigsby? How efficiently can he run the ball? against LSU's defense. That's a matchup I'm looking at. Also, again, we talked about Robbie Ashford. His ability to throw the ball, get it out to his skill players. Coy Moore is one of them, an LSU transfer. Um, John John Samuel Shanker at the tight end position. They're high on him. You know, there's a lot of matchups I'm looking for in this game. But if TJ Finley's out, I'm looking at that LSU minus eight and a half pretty hard I'm looking at it pretty hard it's very tempting to go with LSU at minus eight I just know it feels like no matter what happens even it even against Auburn in 2019 they were they were Auburn was one of the two teams that kept it close with LSU yep and that was and that was throughout the whole game against Alabama LSU was up for a hot minute gave up quite a few scores late to make it a lot closer than the game made it out to be through the first three, three and a half quarters or so. But with the Auburn game, it was close throughout the whole thing. So it it doesn't it feels like it doesn't matter how good or bad they are. It feels like it'll be a lot closer than the spread indicates. Now, you know, looking at the Houston Astros uh, Dusty Baker said this is the final scheduled off day of the regular season for his everyday guys. He plans on playing his regulars against the Rays and Phillies, both of whom are vying for playoff spots, quote, for the integrity of the game. I like that. I'm good with it. I like that. I'm good with it. Um, another thing I want to touch on, Forbes released their top 10 richest sports owners list. Oh, okay. Steve Ballmer, for the eighth consecutive year, is the richest owner in sports. The former Microsoft CEO has a net worth of $83 billion. And then you go to number two, Rob Walton. He's only been a sports owner for three months. But yet he's the second richest sports owner at $56.7 billion. Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavs, also on the list. Jerry Jones down to number seven, although his net worth grew the most this past year, 75.8% over the last year. 
He's got he's at a net worth of sixteen billion dollars. The Cowboys are valued at eight billion, and they are the most valuable sports franchise in the world. How? <laughs> How? Uh... They're not good. How are you valuable? Yes, you got a shiny facility, and you know you got the the Lambo in the garage that is. Dak Prescott. He's currently at the body shop, but you know. What makes you value? You suck. You suck. You haven't played in a Super Bowl since the 90s. <laughs> Those 90 Super Bowls last forever. I don't think you. Don't oh, think. oh, no. I, I have friends that are Cowboys fans. I hear it all the time. We have more Super Bowls than the Saints. At least we won one more recently than you. Oh, the pettiness. It's so good. I, lo- oh I love God. I love hearing your rants about Cowboys. I hate them so much. I might hate the Cowboys more than I hate Atlanta. Oh, hot I'm, take alert. I'm serious. Oh. I might hate the Cowboys more than I hate Atlanta. It it drives me insane. Oh, we're America's team. We're, you know, blah, blah, blah. How about you try being good? You haven't won a Super Bowl in my lifetime. You have not won a Super Bowl in my lifetime. Last one you won was the year before I was born. Think about that. The Miguez curse is real. Hey, if it curses the Cowboys, I'm all for it. <laughs> I mean, you end up cursing your own teams in the process. Well, but, you know, it happens. Uh, anyways. So, a couple other things we're going to look at. Obviously, we're going to talk New Orleans Pelicans as, as as they get ready to get underway with preseason next week. Uh, also, we'll look at the South Alabama versus Louisiana Raging Cajuns game set for Saturday at 4 o'clock from Cajun Field. South Alabama currently a 9-point favorite in that one with an over-under of 47 and a half. The game hotline, 706-0111. Let's go there now. Martin, what's up, bud? Paul got a head coach that's playing a hurt quarterback over a quarterback that's perfectly healthy. Who's probably got the worst offensive line in the NFL? Who got the, the worst record right now than my Dallas Cowboys? Who, who has an owner that would rather play some scrub quarterback rather than your $40 million man? Oh, I agree with you right now. Y'all need to take that garbage off our hands. Trash Scott, I'm done with him. I mean, and then I seen yesterday on ESPN, oh, Prescott might be ready for as soon as this week, uh, this Sunday. I was like, why, why, why would you put Prescott back in when we got all the momentum behind Cooper Rush. And he's going to put Trashcott. Oh, so, so wait. He's going to ruin everything. He's going to throw three picks. He's not going to get us into the end zone. Hey, interesting little fact. Through, hey, what are we going on? Week four? Four? So we're going on the fourth game. We got two. We got two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. So far this year. And you want to put Trashcott? Back in the in the offense, 
Yeah, I'm going to keep saying we them girls until until they win some playoff games. We them girls. Okay. I'm a, and you know, I'm an honest Cowboys fan, but last time I checked, Cowboys are 2-1 with a backup quarterback and the Saints are 1-2. Okay, so, so Martin, Martin, I, I, I got to stop you. I got a couple questions. Number okay. one, do you really think that this whole Cooper Rush thing isn't a fluke? I'm not saying it isn't a fluke, but I mean, to me, the man's free, you know, as a quarterback. Okay, and that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But then, here's my other question. Here's my other question. You're calling Dak Prescott trash Scott. Okay? That's what he He ain't proved nothing. Nothing. He proved to me this year that he's the same trash Scott. And he can't even get the he ball. He didn't in the even end play ball. a full he, he, game. Y'all can have him. I'll take Winston off. I would hands. gladly I'll take y'all him. Gladly take him off my hand. He's trash. The man he completed. Broke. The man completed sixty nine percent of his passes for four thousand four hundred forty nine yards, thirty seven touchdowns, and only ten interceptions last season. That's last season. That's the past. And what did he do? He was in the playoffs. Losing the playoffs. Because so, because you, you don't have a defense. We don't have a defense. You don't have we, a secondary. We got, one of the top, we got one of the top top defenses right now in the league. You don't have a secondary. Huh? You don't have a secondary. I mean, well, I mean, you, so but, you're saying but, that I mean, Trayvon Diggs is not a good DB? You have one good DB. He gives okay, up the he gives up the most yards and, and, and he gives Michael up two hundred yards a game. You wouldn't take Michael Parsons in a heartbeat. I would take Michael Parsons absolutely. Individual talent, you guys have a you can't you can't put it together. And you know down the stretch, you you look at every playoffs, you get burned. It's not the yeah, offense. It's not Dak. I'm gonna be honest with you. I until they win at least two playoff games, I'm not sold. You know, and but what I've seen so far in Cooper Rush, he's he's driving the ball down the field, uh, and he's getting us closer to getting to the end zone than Trashcott is. And who's to say that Trashcott's going to be a hundred percent? You know, in, I mean, come on, man, stay with the momentum. In four, I mean, in, in four is, playoff games. Dak is completing sixty-one percent of his passes with six touchdowns and only three interceptions. Winning. But that's not Dak's fault. How long are we supposed to? Uh, this is Quincy Carter all over again. Oh my God! Well, this look, is Quincy look, Carter all over again. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I'll tell, exactly you this. this I'll, I'll tell you this. If the Cowboys want to ride, Romo all over again. If the Cowboys want to ride with Cooper Rush for seventeen games a year, the black and gold will find will happily take back their Louisiana boy. Okay. Please but you have, do it. You have to still pay the contract. Please you, do it. Now, you still have to pay the contract, before though. Before y'all let y'all go, or before y'all let me go, that guy, that, that Yankees fan that calls in, don't let him fool y'all know. I told I told your little buddy, uh, Mesh, the other night, that <laughs> man is not a Knicks fan. That man is not a Knicks fan. He's a Celtics fan all the way. I said, because what Knicks fan would pull for the Celtics in the playoffs? Come on, man. He's a Celtics fan. I'm sure... I'm sure Man would, would would love to have a fellow Celtics fan join him this season. Hey, Just saying, I'm, watch out. 
All right. Appreciate right. you, Martin. Thanks for taking my call, Weed and Girl. I just I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Dak Prescott, again, hate the Cowboys. Can't stand them. And yeah, Dak Prescott struggled in the playoffs, but it's not his fault. He's put up good numbers in the playoffs. He's never been with a great coach. And his defense has failed him down the stretch. Now, has Dak been great in the playoffs? No. But he's not, you know, he's not trash by any means. Trash, get out of here. That's that's crazy. Back to the hotline, 706-0111. The old school Cowboys fan. Hey. Yes, sir. Hey, how you see? I'm an old school Cowboys fan. I've been watching the Cowboys since I was seven, seven years old. I'm 63 right now. And that dude that just called you talk about Zach is trash, he ain't no Cowboy fan. See what I'm saying? He ain't no Cowboy fan. How you a Cowboy fan and you gonna call your quarterback some trash? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I... Cooper Rush, Cooper I, Rush is the backup. That's what he's doing. What he's doing, he's doing his job. That's his job. That's just like if you got a car and you catch a flat, you gonna put a spare tire on there till you get you another, till you get you another tire, your starting tire to get back on there so you can roll, right? Yep. Exactly, right? Yeah, you're not wrong. You know, so and what he talking about? And you see, when I listen to the, the uh, uh, guys that call in on this sports station, a lot of them don't know nothing about the football. They just talking. Just, just like what he's doing there. He just talking. I mean, I, I don't disagree. So I, I, I disagree you know, you know with the I, I disagree why with the you, statement. Why would, you, why would you call a man trash? So I, I disagree with the statement that Dak is trash. However, as a fan, if your quarterback isn't good, you're going to say that he isn't good. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm listening. But but again, I, I do disagree that you know that people say Dak isn't good because that's just crazy. He's the top ten quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, but when they make the playoffs, he's all about you can't win every year, my brother. You can't win every year. It's hard to win an NFL game. It's hard. Well, the the, the Cowboys do need to win the Super Bowl. It's been twenty seven years. Well, hey, hey, we won five of them. All you got to do is ask all the rest of the teams except New England and Pittsburgh to catch up. Out of 32 teams, ask everybody else to catch up. Appreciate the call, man. That's all you got to do. Fair enough. Appreciate the call. Actually, Cowboys been to eight Super Bowls and won five. I mean, can't can't argue with that. A- absolutely can't argue with that. Um, the Cowboys. No, I'll, I'll tell you now, Dak's not trash. Again, top ten quarterback in this league, and people can argue with me on that all day long. But if the Saints could have afforded him this off season, I would have taken him over Jameis Winston. 
every day of the week. Every day of the week, I would take Dak Prescott over James Winston. Let's go back to the hotline. Brody's calling in. Brody, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Hope you're having a great afternoon. Um, man, Martin, I think I think Martin's a little, you know, out there with saying, you know, Dak's some trash, man. He's definitely not some trash. I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. I've been a Bucks fan for 10 years, and I've been all through the years with Jameis. Jameis is just an emotional quarterback, in my opinion. But, I mean, he's he's not horrible, but he's not definitely not uh, Dak Prescott, man. So, on that note, he just, I mean, and like you said a minute ago, Cowboys definitely didn't win the Super Bowl. It's been 27 years. But their biggest problem is Jerry Jones, and it's always been Jerry Jones. Yep. But uh, on that note, man, I, you know, all my prayers and thoughts go out to everybody in Tampa Bay and all the Florida area. And, uh Go Strohs, man. Big, big Strohs fan right here. So, you guys have a great afternoon, brother. Much love. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, you know, wrap, wrapping up this segment, um, you know, you talked about um, talked about Jerry Jones. You know, that he, I agree. He, he is their biggest problem. You can't be judge, jury, and executioner. And that's what Jerry Jones tries to be. Can't be owner, president, and GM. Just can't. That that's how you run a team into the ground, and as long as that's the case, Dallas is going to continue to go twelve and five, maybe thirteen and four. People are like, oh man, look out for the Cowboys! They lose in the first round of the playoffs. You're gonna go, you're gonna go round and round like that every every year. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation. And also look at the New Orleans Pelicans before Houdat Wednesday with Brendan Ertle. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Attention, sports fans. Your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, back for its 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. Also, hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots and live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid, and you need a sportsbook that offers everything. Live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. This is an offer you can't miss. Guys, you got to get in on it. Call today at one 800 bet us That's one 800 bet us and they'll walk you through setting up your account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BetUS. And if you join now and mention KLWB, you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the game begins. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Quickly, we go to the hotline. Darren, what's up, bud? Hey, why everybody think uh, the backup quarterbacks is going to solve all their problems? Like, uh, I mean, I've been hearing for the past few days, Saints fans have been complaining about James Winston and one Andy Dalton to start, and I'm hearing Cowboys fans thinking Cooper Rush is the savior of the Cowboys when they have Dak Prescott. I mean, the backup quarterbacks, it, it, quarterbacks is not is the furthest thing from their problems. I mean, they have a good team, and they have some of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, Jameis is not a, a, a top ten quarterback, but I mean, he, he's one of the—he's a great quarterback. And Dak is not a top 
uh, five quarterback, but I, I guarantee you he's a top ten quarterback. No, no question. I mean, I want to I, I want to remind y'all, I'm not a Saints fan and I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I'm a Jets fan, you know. But I'm, I'm surrounded by Saints fans all day, so I can talk Saints football. But I want to remind everybody, as long as I've been a Jets fan, I want to kind of off the top of my head remind y'all the quarterbacks I have been dealing with. And I would probably <laughs> take Dak or Jameis as the quarterback of my team. I mean, we got Joe Flacco right now. And we had Zach Wilson, we got Sam Donald, we got uh, we had Trevor Simeon, we had Michael Vick at a one point in time, we had Ryan Fitzpatrick, we had Geno Smith, uh, you know, y'all remember Greg McElroy, the, the guy that be on College Game Day, uh, yep. yeah. uh Kellen Clemens, Chad Pennington, Bennett Chesterford. Uh, would y'all want them as y'all quarterback? I mean, no, no, <laughs> no. So uh, that's and, what I'm and, saying, like, like, like bro, we, we have good hey. teams. We just don't have a quarterback. So when y'all hollering about we need this guy and that guy as your quarterback, come on, bro. I, I I know about quarterback problems. If it makes you feel better, Zach Wilson's coming back this week. Come on, bro. Come on, man. Don't don't do that to me. <laughs> I, 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 I was I'm always in a fan of him from the jump. I mean, he made one good pass in in, in that that camp, and everybody was sold on him. I, I wasn't sold on him. You know we got a good team, but that that that's not our guy. You know I was really I, as a Jets fan, I really was sold on on uh Sam Darnold. That's the guy I wanted. Everybody, I, I know y- y'all don't watch the Jets like I watch him, but he never had weapons around him. No, he didn't. You no, know? he never had not one single weapon around him, and they just threw him out there from the beginning and let him fold. It, you know, yep. and now that y'all brought weapons around. For the uh for the, for the guy we have now, y'all expect him to shine, and really and truly, I don't think it, it's his time. So I mean, we just going over this process over and over and over and over and over again. I just think we need a real good good quarterback, and our team is going to shine because y'all see all the draft picks we added just last year, yeah. the year before that. You know, I mean, I mean, we need a quarterback in New York. You know, so when y'all complaining about Dak and Jameis. Come on, bro. Y'all got damn good quarterbacks. And y'all want a backup to play? Come on, bro. Fair enough. Fair enough. Appreciate the call, Darren. All right. This is all good. I mean, look. Yeah, I, I completely agree because for me, I, I, I'm I'm saying at this point, I mean, Jameis has not been what I thought he would be at all. I thought he, no. would, I thought he would be able to make strides. I, I have not called for Andy Dalton yet. I know – you have, and I know a lot of other people on Twitter or people around me who have called for Andy Dalton even before and the season me... started. And that's the thing is Darren brought it up perfectly. A backup who was meant to be the backup from the jump, how often is that supposed to be successful? He's only there as a temporary spare. Well, look, that's but that's the thing. That's my thought process here. Jameis Winston has four fractures in his back. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, it's inhibiting his play. It is. Yes, he threw for 345 yards last Sunday. A lot of that was in the fourth quarter. And you can tell he's hesitating. He's, you know, making poor decisions too early to avoid taking contact in some situations. Jameis is just, he's he's not right. And I really think that it's his back injury. Here's my thought process. 
fractured bones, on average, take six to eight weeks to heal. You sit James Winston for six weeks. You let Andy Dalton play for those six weeks. And you've got a healthy or almost healthy James Winston for the backstretch into a playoff run. I'm not saying I want Andy Dalton to be our permanent starter. Yeah, I know. Because, I mean, that's just not it. Andy Dalton's 34 years old. That's not the answer. But Jameis needs to get healthy before he's playing. That's my reasoning. And I think that they're going to start Andy Dalton on Sunday. I think I think there's a shot because they they said he's leaning towards it, but I, I think by the time we get to Seattle, depending on what happens, we could see Andy Dalton in the game. Yep. Uh, I, I think I think you're going to get to a point where you're going to have to to protect James Winston um, because you obviously want James Winston long term. So you're going to have to you're going to have to figure something out. Um, I got a text from Jacob said phone lines were busy. Here's my take. I don't know if Dak is trash. I don't know if Jameis is trash. What I do know is Matt Miguez's fantasy team is trash. Hashtag Matt Miguez hate week. It is trash. I'm 0-3. It's not good. Um, I mean, Jacob's 0-3 also, so his, his team is, is equally as trash. Let's take a timeout. Park International will be a buzz this Saturday for the Latin Music Fest. The family-friendly event puts the spotlight on the beautiful and bold Latin cuisine in our community. Celebrate the bold tastes and sounds of Latin culture. Admissions $10. Kids 12 and under get in free. And Cuban superstar Sima Funk headlines the lineup of Latin artists. Latin Music Fest this Saturday from 4 to 10 at Park International in downtown Lafayette. And for more information, visit festivalinternational.org. Be back right here with Who Dat Wednesday on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Big Er, what's up? What's up, guys? Oh, man. It's been an interesting week so far and i'm just wondering are you as close to pressing that panic button as miguez is um no uh i i think you know it, it's fair if you've pressed that button if you're close to pressing it I, I would say i'm close yeah um but from the league perspective i think a lot of a lot of teams are in some sort of panic method you could <laughs> say um I mean, look at a team like the LA Chargers. I thought they'd come out and be a Super Bowl favorite out the gates, and they get blown out by the Jags this week. Uh, we've seen the Eagles be fantastic. We've seen uh, pretty much no one in the NFC besides the Eagles really kind of told us that standard. Uh, I think a lot of teams are still trying to figure things out. I think the Saints are one of those teams that need to figure it out, but I, I don't think I've pressed the button, but the button is in my uh, it is in your eyesight. <laughs> Look, Saints lose on Sunday. I'm pressing it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you could press it, but I, I think this team. It, it's it's weird because we're one of the few teams that could and should be zero and three, but we could and should be three and zero. 
it, because I think we have the talent, you know, to run the table, and I, I think we could really beat anyone if we're playing the top of our game. But we're we're not playing, you know, any sort of game right now. So yeah, I think if you do start out the year one and three, that is um, not not great. I don't know if I'd panic yet because I've seen this team get hot fast, and it just takes you know one game to to get hot. And you also have to realize that when it comes to the Saints and their history, September it's never their month. They're Mm-mm. 500, maybe sub 500, more likely than not, especially with the Sean Payton era. They almost never got on to hot starts. It was always one and two, two and two. There was like that one three and one that one time, but for the most part, they maybe get one win. It's October where that's their money month to get back into it and get into a groove before the big stretch in November. Yeah, of course, we'd love for the Saints to start out quick, and uh, it's it's something that they just haven't done. And I, I think this is one of the you know, the worst starts that we've seen over the past couple of years, just in terms of offense, uh, it's been ugly. It's been really ugly, especially the first three quarters. The defense has been okay. I think there's a ton of room to improve. And that's why I still have hope uh, for this team. You know, it's like they still don't even have an interception. They probably should. They should probably have more sacks as well. And it feels like they haven't even grazed what they could be. And James, you talked you talk about this, I think, last week. And, I think it really stuck with me this week that this team really hasn't practiced together a lot. And it didn't seem like anything to me at, at the time, but looking back at it now, it's like they practiced today with no Mike Jarvis or Jameis Winston. Those are three key, key guys in the offense, and you're game planning for the Minnesota Vikings without your three key pieces. So I think that has played a huge part in this slow start and just the slow start of the season. And then also kind of looking at the Saints, I, I was talking with one of my friends and we both, we're not close to hitting the panic button, and we still believe in Jameis, but I, I think when it comes down to it, we're so accustomed to Drew Brees the last 15 years and how he was so decisive and he got the ball out within two or three seconds. Like he, It's like as soon as he made a decision, he saw the first guy open, it was out before he could get sacked and then ruin the team's chances. With Jameis, it, it feels like it's the same thing with Joe Burrow, where they they try to hold on to the ball too long and wait for somebody downfield when it's like, look, you gotta you gotta check it down to Kamara. You gotta get it to somebody out in the flat and hopefully you get at least some yardage instead of you taking the sack on first and ten or second and ten and then it's it's thir- second or third and forever. Yeah, and I think that that starts with Pete Carmichael. I I think you know there was plays in, against Carolina where I, I know Kamara was the first option and they do a good job of shutting that down and. The, the thing about Jameis is that it feels like his his part of his game where he could kind of move around in the pocket and even run, which which we're not accustomed to him doing, but it's something he did a ton last year. And it feels like ever since he hurt that back, that he's been super limited in his movements in the pocket. And I, I think there needs to come a time where the coaching staff needs to be like, look, it's it's Mike, look at Jarvis, whatever your third option is, and just give it to Kamara, and it's 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 kind of sucks the way the offense is, has been molded, and the way Kamara's fantasy stock has kind of plummeted because he doesn't see as many receptions. But you know, a lot of people want to want to blame Pete Carmichael. I don't want to blame him for anything because Kamara is open on some plays, and Jameis is just it did not look in his way or, or, or missing. Um, but I think there needs to be more scripted plays to where 
you're telling Jameis what exactly to do so he doesn't have to panic and whatnot. I think Sean Payne did a great job last year of, you know, Sean Payne's one of the greatest of all time, and he he's, like, forced Jameis to do things that he didn't want to do, and it was super conservative and super boring to watch, but it was they were better than they were this year. So I, I think they just need to figure it out. I think Jameis needs to rely more on Kamara. And I talked about it in the broadcast, too, that his dad, his dad said, just dump it to Kamara if you don't see anything. So I think a lot of people are noticing it. And I think hopefully he can figure that out as well. So just for you know reference, I went ahead and looked up the Saints record in the month of September under – Sean Payton, they mm-hmm. were twenty-seven and twenty-three in the month of September. See, that's it, that's it. Seems good, but it that that's not good. You have Drew Brees, you have Sean Payton. That should be like you want to start out quick. You're trying to take advantage of teams that don't have a Drew Brees or Sean Payton. It it feels like during that era that we always started out slow and. I, I think the years when we, uh, the Minneapolis Miracle and the, the, the Rams year as well, I think we started out those years slow as well. I know the, the Minnesota year, we started like 0-2 or something, and we, and we panicked. We hit the panic button, and they, they turned it around, so that's why I'll, I'll, I'll have hope. But, yeah, I, Jameis needs to figure it out, man. He you needs were, to figure it out. You were also 44-14 and 14 in the month of October under Sean Payton. And uh, we are what a couple days away from October, so let's 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 get there. Let's hey, get to October. Uh, looking at the the offense, you know, we, we you talked about Pete Carmichael a little bit. You know, going into the season, Pete Carmichael didn't want to be the offensive coordinator. He liked the position that he was in. The Saints kind of convinced him to be there in that role. You know, truthfully, do you think Pete Carmichael's that guy? I'm, I mean, I, I don't think he's he's him. Uh, it helps a lot when you have Sean Payton around, but I don't think he's the main issue. I think there's a lot of issues. I think he is part of the problem. I think he does need to make it a lot easier for Jameis, and that's not something that he's doing. But I don't want to point fingers and, and say that he's he's the main reason. Like if they fire him and go get someone else, it's not it's not going to fix anything, you know. So I, I think a lot needs to be done. I think Jameis. First off, needs to get healthy. They're not going to go anywhere with a, with a banged up Jameis. That's that's as far as I'll say. And I think the protection needs to be figured out. Whether that's Eric McCoy, whether that's Jameis, whether that's Pete Carmichael setting up a play where if they show cover zero, that they have something to build off of. Because that's for some reason when a team stacks the box, we just can't block it, even if they send three in that. So I think a lot needs to be figured out. I think you know Pete is Pete, he's, he'll always be kind of the middle-of-the-pack play caller. I don't, I don't think – and it, I mean, there's no one out there right now. Uh, if the season doesn't go as, as you plan, do you move on? Maybe. I, I mean, I don't think we're at that point yet. And, again, like I said, that there's been throws to be made. There's been, you know, situations where if a block's blocked right or if a player catches the pass, um, a drive continues. So – uh, a lot of things not going their way, and I, I don't, I don't think there's one main reason. Chat with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. What you do is you put Pete Carmichael back in his role as passing game coordinator, and you go hire Joe Brady to come back. Yeah, uh, 
I, I, I would, I would like that. I, I think you know, he's done good with who is he with now? Buffalo. He's the quarterbacks coach in Buffalo. Yeah, I, I mean, it's that's an easy job. You could, Matt, you could be the quarterback coach in Buffalo and do well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. I mean, what, what is your job there? Telling Josh Allen what to do? I mean, I think he's he's got it pretty well figured out. But yeah, right. Joe, Joe Brady did a great in LSU and uh, figured that passing game out really well in Carolina. I mean, I don't blame him too much. That place sucks. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a brutal situation for him offensively with Sam Darnold and whatever else he had there. But, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think he would welcome coming back to Louisiana. The Saints injury report is, is, is absurd. I mean, 11 players on the report today compared to the Vikings having one. And then according to the screenshot from Nick Underhill, there was nobody on there. You know what? What do you make of that? I was talking about that earlier today. I, I don't understand how. I think I haven't seen the updated injury report, and you know I don't know for sure if the Vikings even practice today. But uh, yeah, I saw that injury report as well, and I, I saw the the addition of Marcus Davenport back on there. Super happy about that. That's something that you know we missed him. We missed seeing him on the injury report, and he's back there. So obviously being sarcastic, it's super frustrating. Um, he'll probably play, he'll probably be fine, but there's tons of injuries on there that, you know, Jarvis, MT, they're concerned about Jameis. It was a planned uh, sit day, said he wanted to practice. But I, I, I wonder sometimes if the Saints are just one of those teams where they're just brutally honest with their injuries and they, they just put everything on, on the paper and they sent to the NFL because I know for sure there's more injuries than the Vikings have that aren't on the injury report. I mean, Dalvin Cook just separated his dang shoulder. I mean, where's that? So it could just be they haven't sent it in yet. They haven't practiced yet fully. Um, but, yeah, the, the Vikings, they, I, I can guarantee they have an injury somewhere. So um, brutal injury report, as, as usual, though, we're used to that. And, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens, and we'll see who plays. But we'd love to see Davenport play, and we really need Marcus May back out there. And then one more quick for you, Brennan. Can you give us a quick, somewhat early prediction for this game on Sunday in London? Um, I think, see, I, every prediction I've gave you guys is wrong because I keep hoping that the offense is going to turn it around. But I think if they are going to turn it around, you would hope it would be against a team that I, I would say isn't doesn't have necessarily a strong secondary. I think it's a good secondary with you know Pat, Pete, Harrison, Smith. Uh, that first round pick they have uh, out of Georgia, uh, Cam Dancer. They, they have they have guys, but they're not like you know you're not you're not playing Tampa. I think Carolina is a solid secondary. You know, J.C. Horn, Jeremy Chin, guys like that. Dante Jackson. I think they have you know better players in Minnesota, but Minnesota is a really tough front, really good pass rush. I think that could be a, an issue. But I think if you're trying to get some kind of passing rhythm. I think this is a week where you need to figure it out. Uh, I think there's advantages and there's there's plays we made all over the field. I, I think that we've had uh, the better end of Minnesota in games like this, like regular season games. I think we have better matchups on the field. And, and this is a game that Kamara needs to be involved. There needs to be matchups that he can take advantage of. There's not really a player on the Minnesota defense that I think can guard Kamara in a game like this. And um, we all remember what happened on Christmas. I think they need to run the ball well. That's going to be a, be a problem uh, because Minnesota's got a good defense. But, you know, 
in, in my picks this week for Canastry, I picked the Saints. And originally I picked the Vikings. And I went back to it because, you know, I, I think the six-hour layover that the Vikings will have later this week is going to be a bigger story than some might say because, I mean, as, as much as I know, I don't know when, when they're traveling to London, but I, I don't think they're there right now. I mean, they could be going today. I have no idea when they're going, but uh, the Saints got ahead of that pretty quick, and I think that six-hour layover is going to be pretty brutal. So I'm going to pick the Saints in this game, but uh, I don't see when the Vikings kind of taking it over as well. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Connor Chronicles joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. Brendan, appreciate you each and every week, my guy. We'll do it again on Wednesday. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wrapping up today's show right here on Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Want to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Luke Braun of the Locked on Vikings podcast, giving us a preview on Minnesota. And then, of course, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. Tomorrow, Cajun's Corner with Jay Walker and Jacob Goins of ESPN 106.7 in Auburn will join us for a preview of LSU-Auburn. We'll also look at the Thursday night football game tomorrow between the Bengals and the Dolphins, and we'll start previewing the weekend that will be in college football. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, and we'll see you tomorrow on a Thursday edition of Crunch Time right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, McNeese Coaches Show is next.